serving as the campus pastor uh, in Alhambra, and so it's really good to, uh, to be with you. I haven't been here since uh, the end of November, so it's good to see all your, your faces again. Uh, we're right in the middle of a series called uh, Fools on Parade, and we're really looking at why we do the things that we do. And to do that, you actually kind of have to take a step back and you have to ask those questions. Why do I do what I do? And a lot of times you ask that when you're surprised by something you have done. Have you ever been surprised at a reaction that you've had and you think to yourself, where did that come from? Anybody? Yeah, I I have all the time. Uh, Recently, I went into like a mode of my life, which I hadn't seen much before, but it was very real. And I call it dictator dad. And by the title, you may clue into what that involved. But basically, on my way home from work one day, I just had this picture of what I wanted the home to look like when I got home. And I have three kids, uh, eight, six, and three. And for some reason in my head, I thought, when I open the door, I kind of want to hear like streams flowing and birds singing and like this peaceful, tranquil, like, hi, dad. Would you like some iced tea? And I actually don't drink iced tea, but just to make the point, it, it was really out of nowhere. But in my mind, what I realized was from the moment I got in my car to the moment I got home, I really had a vision of what I wanted my kids to do. And I had a plan for their life. And so I entered into interacting with them and without really connecting to them, I just thought through all the things that they needed to do. It was like, okay, you need to, you need to pick up that. You need to put that back in your room. And is that your cup? Wait, you got two cups. How many cups do you need in a day? If you're a parent, you know that not one. You need way more than one. And I started to just kind of just get fired up. And the more I saw the problems, the more I wanted to solve, and the more I just kind of decided I was going to enter into this situation and get my way. And then the kids began to pick up like, and it was like a rough day at work for dad, I think. And you just, they kind of took the step back. Like if he can't see me, maybe I'll be okay. But what I realized is after a while, you know, then I, I, I started interacting with my, my, my wife who greatly helps me sometimes. And she just says, are you okay? By that question, I realized, no, there's something going on. And I was surprised by kind of the mode I'd gotten in. I hadn't really realized But what I was seeing is I was leaving a wake, like ripples on the water that were just kind of causing turmoil in my relationships with people that I deeply love. What was happening is there was things going on in my heart that were causing me to do that. And in this series, Fools on Parade, we're talking about the things in our heart that cause us to do what we do and cause us to say what we say. Many times we don't think about it. We experience it when people do it to us, and we sometimes experience it when we do it to others, but a lot of times we don't really think about why we do what we do. But our behavior is very purposeful. It doesn't just come out of thin air. We don't just kind of automatically think, I'm going to try to do this to this person. I'm going to be snappy with this person. I'm going to react in this way. It actually does come from kind of the depths of our heart. And in the beginning of this series, we talked about kind of the trouble that we have in our heart and sadness. It's selfishness, arrogance, and damage. It's basically, I want what I want, and I want it when I say I want it. And if you get in my way with something that I want, I don't want to hurt you, but I really want it. And so then we're going to have trouble because you're blocking my goal. 
And this is kind of reality for all of us. We all have this selfishness, this arrogance, and this damage where we don't really want to get in people's way. We really don't want to hurt people. But if you didn't put your blinker on when I was trying to merge, or you don't get out of my way, and you find that on the freeway, it's, it's, it's very real. It's kind of stuff that, that's deep within. And so this idea, the fools on the parade, it's really an opportunity to kind of look inside yourself at the strategies that we all choose. And as you look at the fools on parade, I don't know if over the last couple of weeks it's kind of hit you hard, like, oh, and it can hit you and you kind of think like, man, I do that. Or the other side or man, he does that. She does that. My boss does that. My kid does that. And there's this tendency, when you look at kind of foolishness and strategies, it's easy to look at the other people that we relate to in our life and kind of pinpoint their issues, right? I'm not going to show hands, but we tend to do that. Because again, that kind of flows out of our heart. But in this series, the way we can really maximize what God wants to show us and speak to us is we have to actually have to personalize this. We actually have to think, what are the strategies that I myself choose? And how does that cause problems for me? And last week we talked about the Casile fool, the fool that wants ease more than anything, the easy way. Okay, if it means I'm going to have to work or not work, I'd rather not work. I'd rather play. And the easy way fool really has struggled with, with working hard and laziness. And when people kind of pinpoint that they're lazy, they can lie, they can outburst in anger, and this causes all sorts of problems. Well, this week, we're still dealing with another type of fool, but it has a little bit different kind of flavor and, and strategy to it. And so we're going to kind of meet the second fool on parade. And so today's fool is the evil fool. This is the reactive way fool. And if you look on the front of your program or you look there on the screen, you know, if you look at that face with the eyebrow kind of raised, you think, uh-oh. Something's going on. And you kind of take the step back. And if the eyebrows still raise, you may, okay, I'm going to take another step. But the reactive way fool is just like it sounds. It's, it's a reaction that this fool has with the people that he or she interacts with. Okay? The, uh, the key tool of this fool is to be upset easily. And that's where the reaction comes. Something didn't go my way, and I'm going to react I'm going to get upset. One of the easiest ways to see kind of the beginning stage of this fools is what we call toddler. Okay? Now, we're not going to talk about our own kids, but have you ever been in a mall and a toddler just goes nuts and they just decided they're done? I'm not going to shop in JCPenney anymore. Mom, dad, I'm done. And they kind of begin to scream. And the screaming kind of turns into yelling. The yelling turns into anger. And the parents are like, like, if we run away, will somebody take care of this kid? And you see the, the, the stress and just this reaction that's happening. Well, when a toddler gets upset, you, everyone has to react to it. Okay, what, what do we do? Do we give in to what the toddler wants? Do we deal with this and we're in public and it's usually always in public, it seems like, and all this stuff and all this turmoil? Well, this fool is actually not something that just ends in the toddler years. In fact, without the right training and without God's help, you can become an adult that reacts like a toddler. You can react in the same way when things don't go your way. Now, it's more sophisticated. You may not like stomp up and down, but you may get upset 
And you may get emotional. And you may get controlling. All the things that you can kind of see flow from the selfishness and the arrogance. But this fool is upset easily. Proverbs 12, 16 describes it like this. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. See, anytime you talk about foolishness or folly, the opposite end of that is wisdom. And you only get clarity in foolishness as you look at wisdom. They're the opposite. And so throughout the series, we're really having a look not only at what a foolish person does, but also what does a wise person do. And in this verse, you see the opposite of each other. Now, this fool that's listed here is the evil fool. The reactive way fool shows his annoyance at once, which got me thinking, how do you show your annoyance at once? You could roll your eyes. If you can raise one eyebrow, I can't actually do that. That was bad. I could just tell that was bad. But if you raise your eyebrow in disgust, um, you could sigh. There's lots of ways that you get the sense of like, I think that person might be annoyed. So if there's something that's going wrong, this type of fool reacts, shows their annoyance at once. The reaction, right? The reactive way, there's no time to process it. It's the reaction at once flows from the heart but a prudent man overlooks an insult so you get the sense that the wise person has a choice like we all do and the wise person is probably experiencing the same annoyance or the same insult that the foolish person is but the wise person overlooks it basically they're saying i'm not going to hold that against you I'm not going to be annoyed at you and what you're doing. So I'm, I'm going to overlook it. And the prudent person does that for the sake of the relationship. Well, the reactive fool, they don't really see anything wrong with reacting at any given situation. Now, throughout this message, there's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to draw out the characteristics of this fool. And it's kind of a downer. Okay. You know, sometimes when you look at the scriptures, specifically the Proverbs, what it says is, if you choose this path in your life, this is what's going to happen. You're going to end at this destination. And the foolish path, it leads to the foolish life and the fruit of folly. The wise path, it actually is a path as well that leads to a destination. And if you choose this path, it gets to wisdom and blessing that comes. But see, what happens is we each are choosing a path. And so what the scriptures do, they say, if you go along this path, this is what's going to happen. So in today's message, you're going to kind of hear a lot of like warnings and a lot of like problems where you're going to be like, man, what a downer. But the reason it is the way it is, is sometimes we have a disconnect from what we choose and how it impacts our life. And that's one of the biggest issues with these foolish patterns. You input certain things and you expect a different output. You enter on the foolish path, but you expect the wisdom and the blessing that comes from the wise path. And what the scriptures are doing is saying you can't have that. It doesn't exist. God hasn't designed the world that your choices don't matter. Your choices matter. My choices matter. And so today's message is kind of a picture of how do our choices actually impact us? And the people that we relate to. But before we get into the nitty gritty, we're going to watch a clip. 
from Everybody Loves Raymond. Because frankly, it's a great show that humorously shows the reactive way fool. So I want you to watch and see if you can pick up on it. What are you mad at me? What did I do? <laughs> what did you do? Hey, look, you're the one who told Amy about Stefania in the first place. You should be apologizing to me. should have done is tell Amy the truth about everything. Or better yet, not be such a pig in the first place. That's the worst apology I've ever gotten. <laughs> Why would you get involved with someone else when you already have a relationship? What, does juggling three women at a time make you cool? <laughs> Uncool. The only way that you can build your self-esteem, then you are pathetic and you don't deserve to be with anyone. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. What was that? Lay down, play dead. <laughs> we all know about you, okay, Deb? You were popular. You juggled guys all the time. How many guys asked you to your senior prom, huh? Five? Six? You want to know who I took to my prom? Our cousin Nelly. He threw up on her. <laughs> Somebody spiked the punch! Okay, well, I'm really sorry about you and your cousin, but that was high school. I grew up. I realized that the only thing that matters is having someone that understands me. That'll be there for me. Somebody that I want to grow old with. Get off of me! <laughs> You felt that way about Amy. Well, I did. I do. Then why would you fool around with Stefania? Have you seen Stefania? <laughs> I just saw Amy. She's crying. Did you break up again? Yeah, and I think it's for good this time, Mom. But it's all right. I'll be fine. You'll be fine? What about me? Oh. <laughs> Amy was gonna give me more grandchildren. Come on. Yes. And Stop the talk of a guest house. Oh. And I could make your father if I wanted to. Oh, I can't do this anymore. I can't. Do you want to kill me? Because you're killing me. <laughs> Sorry. Good. I'll pick up this phone and tell that to Amy. Oh, Ma, I can't call her now. Well. I could see how this would be a little awkward. Don't worry, I know what to say. No, stop it, Ma! Just stop it. I blew it, it's over. She'll never take me back. No, we are not giving up. We could still work this out. Will you let it go, all right? It's my life. I'll do what I want. Who's been telling him it's his life? perfect, isn't it? You actually see a few interactions of the reactive way. The first was when Robert said something, and uh, I can't remember the wife's name. Deborah. 
she, she has that, that head turn. You see that? Like he said something and it was, what did you say? And then Ray Romano, what was his name? Is it Ray? Sorry. I should have known this before I got up here. What's the name of the show? Uh, Ray Romano's reaction was, um, it's your problem. Problem. I know what's going to happen. He got out of the way. And then the mom enters the scene. And now she's reacting to the girlfriend. And then now she has a plan. And then at the end, it really does sum up a big part of the challenge and the struggle of the evil reactionary fool. Who said this is his life? (laughs) The evil fool is reacting out of really wanting to control Control is the major tool of why they get upset. There's some other characteristics. Uh, This fool can be rebellious, adversarial, controlling, and manipulative. But at the core, the reason that all these things flow is really this person wants to control their circumstances. They want to control others. And like all of these fools... It's a good opportunity to ask, why? Why do they want to control? And to really get to the heart, you have to learn. You actually have to ask this a lot about yourself. See, when you're surprised by something you say or something that you do or an attitude that you have or a struggle that's within you and you're wondering why you're struggling with that, you have to ask yourself, why? Why do I feel like that? And you have to take kind of a step back. Well, why? Well, why do I feel like that? You have to kind of take a step back. But what am I thinking I'm going to get? And you take a step back. And what you start doing is, as you ask yourself why, and you don't have to do this out loud in public. That could be kind of weird. But you kind of do this within yourself. Like, why is it that I'm reacting this way? Or why is it that I'm doing this or choosing this? And as you do, you begin to go to the heart. Because, again, you really need to know why you're doing the things that you're doing. And why you're saying the things that you're saying. And why you're feeling the ways you're feeling. And this fool, really, what they're getting at is control. But when you look at this idea of controlling and upsetting and reacting, this idea of wanting everyone to do what they need to do according to this person, it really comes down to fear. We control most of the time out of the fears that we have. And then you have to ask the question, well, why... Why am I fearful? And many times we're fearful because we don't think that we're going to be taken care of. So why, why do I think I'm not going to be taken care of? And then you kind of have to ask the question again. And you see, well, I really want what I want. If I don't think I'm going to get what I want, I'm fearful. Why do you really want what you want? I don't want to answer that, but I think it's because I really want it. And why do you really want it? because I'm selfish, kind of gets back to the heart, right? It flows out of there. But we're sophisticated, and kind of we have these different strategies, but at the core of it, you have to keep getting back to why we do the things that we do. And when we're fearful, and that leads to control, it really goes back to there's something there that we are putting our trust in that's actually not helping us. So the more you control, the more you're putting your trust in yourself. And the more you put your trust in yourself, the more you have to control because it doesn't seem to work. The more it's not working, then you try harder. 
And if you don't deal with this and the core issue that it doesn't really work to control people, you spend your whole life experiencing the problems that come with this, this fool. And so what, what does that, that lead to? I want to kind of dig in a little bit and just giving a composite of kind of what the scriptures say about the reactive way, the controlling way fool. Um, in your handout, you've got like a list of lots of different characteristics and strategies. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But this is just for you to be able to identify kind of some of the things that you may experience yourself, whether it's you personally or relating to other people. So when relating to authority over them, the reactive way does a few things. They uh, follow reluctantly. It's hard to follow people because then you have to kind of relinquish your control. So they follow, but it's like, well, as long as this person does kind of what I think should be done. That's how you maintain control. Uh, they choose goals for the authority. I really want my boss to do this because it will be better for everyone. And so you kind of have an agenda for what your boss should do. Uh, they also talk while the leader speaks. It's just, they have ideas, but I have ideas. I think my ideas are better. And again, it's control. If you control the conversation, you control direction. If you control direction, you get where you want to go. You see, all these are just subtle, but they're really rooted in, I want what I want. And I want people to do what I think they need to do. This all flows from this strategy. Relationships in general, just moving beyond authority. Uh, The reactionary fool is a lot of times unforgiving. You got the sense as Ray was reacting to his wife, and he was seeing what Robert was doing. He said, you don't want to say that. You're going to cause some problems. I'm going to get out of the way here and see this unfold. Unforgiveness is a key problem that comes up because the person's crossed you. When you're trying to control something, they don't do what you want. You have a really hard time relating to them in a loving way. In relationships, flows also you want to decide, again, what others ought to do. You could be quick to anger. Uh, There's frequent arguments. And when fear is driving you, you tend to do a lot of things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. Because fear is just this, this thing inside you that just causes this just absence of peace and absence of just well-being and because of that you you're scared and the fear drives you to react and do things that you wouldn't wake up in the morning thinking you want to do but but it's real and it has a real impact this fool also refuses to listen to advice because if someone gives you advice that's different than you want to do then you have to actually change your direction well, when you want control, changing direction is like one of the worst things that could happen to you. Because now your plans have to change. And that means that you may not actually have the control that you thought you did. So all this just it kind of leads to just this friction in relationships. In fact, relating to a reactionary fool, it, it's actually very burdensome. And it creates friction. Uh, there's a proverb that talks about this. Proverbs 27.3. It's kind of profound in what it says. It's simple. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. The fool's provocation here is the reactionary fool, the evil. I don't know if you've ever lifted stones before. I don't know if you do that like when you get home from work, like I think I'm going to lift stones today. 
It's usually not kind of like a fun thing we do, but I've actually put boulders in a wheelbarrow before and it has a wheel, but it still is really difficult to do. And then you've got to turn it over and you just hope like your body doesn't flip with the wheelbarrow. That might have happened before. Okay. Or, you know, sand, you think, well, sand's not heavy, but if you put sand in a bag and then it gets wet and you put more sand in it, it actually gets really heavy. That is, it's a hard weight to lift. It's burdensome on you. That's what's saying is the way that this fool relates, it, it becomes like this weight of stones that just is weighing on you. But again, this, these reactions, that's not something that people just choose. You know, I think I'm going to just cause havoc in my relationships today. I think I'm just going to control and make everyone's life miserable. They don't wake up thinking that. I don't wake up thinking that. I'm sure you don't either. What happens in the mix of the things that we don't want to happen, our heart still gets in the way. And that's why we have to constantly be dealing with what's really going on inside of us. And no one can know. You can see some of it because it comes out. Pressure squeezes your heart. So when you face trouble and trials and things that you didn't see coming, what comes out shows a lot of times what's in your heart. But you still have to deal with it yourself. No one can really pinpoint what you have to do. We have to constantly be dealing with the things that are deep within us. And it's sin. We have to constantly be dealing with this sin. And it's hard. You get to the point where you realize, like, man, I really am selfish. I was just thinking that this past week. I was realizing that a lot of the things that I, like, have problems with as I relate to my kids, most of the time it's because... I care about myself more than them in a given moment. That's why I'm frustrated. Because if I was willing to sacrifice at every decision to help them, I think it would go a lot better sometimes. It's the same at the workplace. The reason there's friction a lot is because we have to always choose to deal with our selfishness. And I'm selfish. And I may give in in this way, but like I don't want to give in in this way. Okay, you, you can handle that part, but this is still mine if you're working on a project. This is still mine. I'm still going to do this. And there's just this thing of like, what's going to give? What's going to give? And you keep kind of getting to the point of like, oh, I'm, I'm selfish. And this is why we have an opportunity in this series to be real with God. Say, God, show, show me who I am. Not who anyone else is, but show me who I am. Because if we don't, whether it's this fool or the other fools we're going to talk about, we're actually going to lose a lot of the life that God wants to give us. It may not be years, but it sure will be quality. So it's really an opportunity to say, okay, God, I don't want my kids to kind of get out of my way because they're not sure how I'm going to react. I don't want my coworkers to not bring up a problem because they're not sure how I'm going to react. I don't want my boss to no longer include me in decisions because he or she knows that I'm going to have an issue with what they're saying or what they're doing. So what starts to happen over time is people experience this fool like hugging a cactus. Have you ever hugged a cactus? I haven't, but I have fallen in a cactus once. When I was in Texas, there was a slab of concrete that they used to take out in the sidewalk, and they put cactuses. And to this day, I still don't know why that makes sense. It's a sidewalk. 
that you're supposed to walk on the side on. And they would just take these slabs out and put like cactuses, not plants, but like things that hurt. And I remember there were some kids playing across the street. They were playing tetherball. And it was at an age where I had actually never seen tetherball before. And I was like, what is that? They're just hitting a ball around a pole on a string, and it looks amazing. And as I was walking, I hit the end of the sidewalk. I tripped, and I fell right in a bed of cactus. And I think at the time I was in third grade. And I don't know what I did, but it was like a cartoon. was, whoa, whoa, whoa! I, like, jumped up. Steam came off my feet, you know? And I just walked home, just like this. And I got home, and my mom, for about the next hour and a half, with tweezers, had to pull out all the thorns. So when I say hug a cactus, I haven't done that, but I have fallen in one. And it's not pleasant. So what tends to happen is, as we kind of react, we're like that cactus in our relationships. We're sticking people. We're leaving thorns. And as they get near us, they're like, man, that, that kind of hurt. And so now when you're around them, they kind of remember the pain. So they think, okay, well, I've fallen in the cactus once. I'm not going to do that again. And so you distance yourself, and that's what tends to happen. The very thing that they want is control. And really, they, they want kind of these relationships to be a certain way. But by the way that you act, you actually get more and more distance, which means you can't control them. So the very thing you want, you can't get. Because life doesn't work like that. People aren't, aren't meant to be controlled. In fact, people really matter to God. They're made in the image of God. So when we try to control people and we want them to do what we want them to do, we're actually going against God. We're trying to force an agenda on somebody. That's actually not our agenda to force. That's what happens as you look at this folly. It's really this thing which is just looking at I am the center of this world. And as you orbit in it, I'm always going to be the center. And over time... People no longer want to orbit in your space. That's real. So if you're not like fully depressed yet, we have some more. Okay? There's actually long-term problems that happen from foolish strategy. That makes sense. Like long-term, it's, if you're going to go on the path of foolishness, the further you get down the path, the darker it gets, right? Because the further you're away from wisdom and God's way. So the further you get down the path, more problems exist. Well, with this fool, the longer you're on the path, there's some things that can actually can create some long-term problems. Uh, first is, plans keep falling apart. And this really flows out of, as you react and you control, there's all sorts of havoc. Because people actually don't want to come alongside you to help you. They don't. And the reason is, is, is you're, like, you're like a badger. We have a picture of a badger on the screen. That, like, you're like, wow, that's cute. Like, that's not that bad. Badger. And then the next slide comes. Well, I actually saw a documentary on honey badgers. Okay, I did. And it was fascinating. And what I realized was, is there are animals like bears that actually see badgers coming and think to themselves, it's not worth it. 
Literally. The thing's the size of a cat. But badgers are so relentless that they will actually cause so much problems for these bigger animals that they just stay away. So the bear sees the trash can and thinks, great. Then he sees the badger. And he's thinking, I'm going to find a different trash can. Now, if you're a badger, that's a great strategy because you get the trash can of your food. If you're a person, though, you get the trash can. But we don't like trash. And we don't like to be alone. We don't. But the teeth come out and we cause these people to just, oh, just watch out. Just, just say whatever needs to be said so she's happy. Say whatever needs to be said so, so he's going to leave us alone. You find that they just play a game of relating to you. You don't have their heart. And so this is real. And so these long-term problems, they just develop and plans fall apart because no one really comes alongside you. There's some references you can look at. Proverbs 10:14 is one of them. Also, sickness is associated with this fool. Have you ever been stressed about something because you, you really wanted it to go a certain way? Like maybe it was an event that you were planning, like a birthday party for your kids. And you've got all these plans in place and you've spent a lot of money on this birthday party for your kids. And all of a sudden you kind of get stressed because you're like, what if the people that said they're going to come are not going to come? What if the people that said they weren't going to come are going to come and then we don't have enough food? If we don't have enough food, then we've got to spend more money, but we don't have more money. And all of a sudden you're like, you're like birthday party. I hate birthday parties. You just got honey badgered. Right? But it begins like I've got these plans. And I want what I want. And then I get the stress, long term stress that's related to control. Wanting things to go a certain way, it actually causes health problems. It does. But we don't think about that in the moment. We think, like, I really want it to go my way. But the more you stress, darn, the more you're controlling and trying people to do it, it causes problems. And the last thing, long term, is family life is torn apart. See, you look at sitcoms like Everybody Loves Raymond, and really you realize, like, they all really love each other because, you know, the audience laughs when that happens. But in real life, everybody loves Raymond doesn't work. One, it's not wrapped up in a 30-minute show and everything works out. Two, you relate like that over time. There, there isn't really a family that's left. And you see that. And this, a lot of times, takes years and years and years and years to develop. But the scriptures are there to say, look, watch out. You're on a path. That's leading to destruction. And you want control. And you're very fearful that if you stay on this path, the fruit you will have is bitter. And that's all you will have. So the scriptures are really written in a way to say, watch out. In fact, in Proverbs 3, uh, 5 through 8, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's not on the screen here, but lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Verse 7 is key. It says this. Do not be wise in your own eyes. So don't think that you know how everything should go. Don't think that you know all the answers. Then it says, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So if you've identified some of this, just if you're honest with yourself, and you say, you know what, I actually do want to control people. And if I'm really honest, I want to control people, not really for their good, but I want my way. If you're really honest that you want your way, and that's 
connected to selfishness, and you kind of admit, I, I'm selfish. That's why I'm controlling that person, because I really want them to do what I want them to do. The good news is with Scripture, based on what we just read, is that that's not the end all of your life. It's not just about admitting, like, yeah, I'm selfish. Yeah, I try to control. And yeah, I could see that it's causing problems. Here's where you see the relationship with God makes all the difference. God wants to come alongside us and actually help. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't think that your way is the only way that you can live your life. It may be the way that you're raised. It may be the only way that you know. But God's saying is that doesn't have to be the thing that you only have to support your life. There's a foundation that God brings when you follow him. And that's the way of wisdom. That's his way. So the key is, as we identify the stuff in our heart, the stuff that we don't really want to talk about, the stuff we really don't want to admit, we sure don't want to talk about it with anybody else, as you identify that, that's at the point that God can change you. Because if you can humble yourself to realize you need to change, it doesn't matter how much before that you've tried to control people. It doesn't matter how much you've been upset before. If you admit that you need God's help to overcome this pattern and any pattern that we've been talking about, God will help you. God will change us. That's what he does. And that's the promise. And so there's just two steps I want to kind of leave you with today to turn the corner. The first is how to move beyond the reactive way. The first is focus on what God wants you to do, not what others ought to do. So really ask God to help you deal with you. Uh, There's a scripture in Galatians says, pay careful attention to your own work. And that's just not talking about work. It's basically like pay attention to your own life, what you need to do. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. Your life will will go well. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Now that last part is key. We are each responsible for our own conduct. The thing about control is that it's all what they are doing person we're relating to, whether it's our kids, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our boss, whether it's our friends, whether it's our roommate. The control is what do they need to do? The wise way is what do I need to do? What are the responsibilities that God has given me? And how do I do that in a way that pleases him? And as you begin to work on yourself and focus on yourself, the cactus needles that were once really apparent, they begin to kind of shorten. People think like, wow, they're not picking on me anymore. You know what, they, they don't seem as annoyed as they once were. Wouldn't that be one of the greatest statements ever if somebody came up to you and said, you know what, you're not nearly as annoyed as you used to be. Well, thank you. Or you go to like, what did you mean by that? Never mind. But right, that, that's actually, that would be God's working in you. If you're less annoyed in two weeks than you were two weeks ago, God's working in you. And it's slow, and it's, you know, as you deal with your heart, you realize, man, this stuff is embedded in us. And we've been doing it for a long time. But as you focus on God dealing with you in your own life, he begins to work. The second thing is as equally important. Humble yourself before God and ask him for help to repair the damage. 
If you want to change, you cannot change without humility. Because humility is actually recognizing that you need to change. Not them, but me. Not him, but me. Not her, but me. Humility. I actually need to change. And it's actually not, if they would do something different, it would make it easier. Or if they would stop saying that, it would make it easier. That could be true. But the bottom line is humility is God. I'm messed up. I am messed up. And I'm selfish. And I need your help to change. If you're willing to do that, you can actually begin to repair some of the damage that's been done. Because humility isn't just, God, I messed up, I need to change. It's, God, I messed up, and I want to make this right with the people that I've impacted. And so to repair damage, it takes time. But as you do that, you find that God works. And things that you've said or that you've done that kind of have weighed on you and you know it's messed up a relationship and there seems like there's friction there, all of a sudden, over time, God works and forgiveness begins to enter the situation. And it's in that moment that you see and you discover that God is real. Because God is the only one that can turn away patterns that we've lived our whole life and make us different. You also discover that God's real where pain that's existed and bitterness existed because people have been treated a certain way. When there's forgiveness and the relationships change, you find that God is real. See, identifying it is one thing, but actually being willing to allow God to work on us, that's where we change. So I want to encourage you, whether you struggle specific with these tendencies of reacting or being upset or controlling, the key is, God, I want to be humble before you. Show me what I need to do to change. And as you do that, God will change you. As I wrap up, I want to invite the band up. We're going to sing again, and we're going to receive our offering. And as that goes by, you can drop your completed connection card in there. Uh, There's some next steps that we talk about each week. And this is really our way of just giving some some options for you to kind of decide, based on what you've heard today, what are some things that you could do. And it's not an exhaustive list, it's just some suggestions. But the first one is, if you've never committed your life to Christ and, and he's not the boss, which is basically you saying, you know what, I've kind of been on this path of foolishness and I really don't know any different. And you realize that you need God to lead you out of it and you've never done that before. Mark that. And we would send you some info and we'd love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus Christ as the boss and leader of your life. Uh, the second is, uh, ask God to help you see the consequences of your foolish pattern. If you just kind of feel overwhelmed, like it's too much to take in and you're just trying to pinpoint where you are, just ask God to show you. Is there just one thing that you're doing that you may need to do differently or stop doing? And he, he shows you. And then the last is, go back and clear up relationships I've damaged. Now, that may take some time for you to kind of pinpoint. And it may take some time for you to really kind of work just praying with God and just asking him to show you. But as you do that, God works and the damage is repaired. And then you can actually begin to keep building your life towards his ways. So let's pray together. God, we thank you that we're not left to ourselves uh, when we discover who we are. And I, I admit before you, I, I'm selfish. 
And I, I really do want what I want most days. But the good news is I, I'm not left to just pursue that on my own. You actually want to come alongside to help. And so, God, I just ask that for each of us, you'll give us humility to be honest with ourselves and where we're at. And you'll help us to see that, that you really do love us and you want us to change. And so, God, we, we need your strength and your power to get past ourselves. And so we ask that you'll really show us what that looks like for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.